Welcome to Seducing Aliveness. I am Jen Halterman, one of your hostesses, and this is Tamara Yonker. Hey! (laughs) Good morning. Good morning. We're both back landed. I'm done with my gypsy adventure, and it's so good to be back here and be able to join in the chat room live during the show. Oh, that's a nice bonus. So if you are listening live, go to the show page on blogtalkradio.com, scroll down, and you'll see the chat room, and that's where we'll be able to interact during the show if you're able to. And if not, that's okay. We're still here. (laughs) (laughs) We are. So I'm I'm eager to um, uh, share some of the responses that we received uh, from yesterday's show. What do you want to you want to jump into that, Jen? Yeah, we received so much feedback, so much appreciation and awareness from listeners from yesterday's show that I really want to honor them for speaking up and sharing what their experience was, but I also want to share with others, you know, we do listen to the feedback. If you want to send us a message through the Seducing Aliveness page on on Facebook or either of us individually, we are happy to receive it. Uh, the mm-hmm. majority of the feedback was that it was as if yesterday kind of tied together some of the shows that left some things, there were ahas, but they didn't tie together. And yesterday's show seemed to really tie some of the, the concepts that we were sharing together and brought in a lot of, I know how to apply this to my life. It's not a nice idea. I actually feel like I can live this now. And uh, there were a lot of tears, uh, quite a few messages of tenderness and appreciation for vulnerability on my part as well as Tamara's. And so thank you for those messages. And it really felt that way for myself as well. And Tamara, you shared that you felt that also. You felt that resonance of kind of a gentleness kind of sank in with the topics, like a, an invitation mm. was there. Yeah, well, I I recognize that a a lot of what we've been talking about or some of what we've been talking about for the past several weeks can be confronting to people. And I know that, um, you know, when we're when we're living our life, even when we're even when it feels like struggle, even when it's not working for us and it might even be creating all kinds of misery in our life, it's still comfortable. It's weird how. Something can be really unpleasant and yet we'll cling to it because it's familiar. And I know what it's like to to kind of make that demand of myself and say, okay, even though this is what's comfortable and this is what's familiar and this is what I've always known, it just isn't working for me. And I really am going to make the demand to make a change and step out into that space of the unknown. And I know how confronting that can be. I know sometimes people don't look like to look at how they're functioning um, you know, reveal to themselves, that's that, that's that, you know, development of intimacy, reveal to themselves, wow, actually, I'm the one that's creating that. I mean, I know a lot of what we've been talking about, as I said, can be a little bit confronting. And yesterday, when we um, talked about surrender and allowance, it was, it, it really was, and I can't remember what I said, I said something refer- referencing it on yesterday's show, but it was, it was as if we just, we sort of pulled everything from all the weeks prior and and kind of wrapped it up and and uh not that there isn't going to be more because there will always be more to add to it but it was it was sort of like bringing it all together in a way that sort of landed in a sweet spot and i know for me everything that we've been sharing has been such a game changer in my life and and that's what i really want 
to I, I, if if there's a reason why I do this radio show, it's it's because liberation is possible. The freedom that you we do this push-pull with ourselves. It's really weird. Like I said, we cling to what's comfortable and familiar, and at the same time, there's this yearning for greater freedom. There's this yearning to be liberated from our own uh, chains of enslavement. It's fascinating how we okay. live in this place of like constant push-pull, push-pull, and I know that the more I say yes, to that which is inviting me to greater liberation and freedom, the more rich and delicious and unfathomable my life has become. And, and so if there's a why behind what what I do, you know, getting out here and on this radio show and previous rating shows and the work that I do, it's really to let people know what you may be desiring and yet almost too afraid to acknowledge because you're like, well, I don't even know how that would could come about it is possible i love inviting people to that space of possibility and letting letting people know look if i did it if you did it if anybody like we can do this we can do this and we're here we've got your back um as jen was just saying we we love your questions bring them to the chat room bring them to the facebook page bring them wherever if you're resonating with what we're sharing and you're like, yeah, okay, I want that, I want that, I, I, I feel that call deep within me for greater liberation and freedom to, to express all that I am in an unapologetic way, we can, um, we can answer your questions about that. <laughs> so... Right. It just it does yeah, feel really we, good, and the, the really yumminess do. of the show. It does help yeah, us. It, Sorry. Mm, yeah, I was just gonna say it, that the yumminess of yesterday's show really was 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 remaining with me throughout the day. It was really feeding my aliveness for sure. Mhm. Yeah, and and your feedback does help us. Just as we follow the energy of the show, when you engage in that, you help give us that guidance for the, sh the future shows, and that really is a contribution, and we appreciate it so much, so, so much. Mm. We, yeah. were, we were saying so. that we didn't necessarily, mm -hmm. like this, we've been taken on a journey, like this, this the, the shows week by week as they've been unfolding have been, have been taking us on a journey, and, you know, we're following the energy of, uh, of what the, the show wants to reveal to us, and we didn't really sit down and kind of make this deliberate, like, oh, let's take them on a journey. It just is unfolding that way in this beautiful, organic manner that I'm just so, like, it lights me up to see how when we surrender and we just say, hey, you know, we ask the show, we ask Seducing Aliveness, what, what's going to, you know, where do you want to take us? Where do you want to go? And it's just leading us in, into such a beautiful space. I'm, I'm so grateful. <laughs> <laughs> me <giddy>. too. <laughs> it does. It makes me keep saying yes. You know, like, oh, I'm uh -huh. so excited. Okay, we we know that we've got receiving coming up next week. Let's get together and talk about what's going to unfold and let it guide yeah. us because that yeah. it's actually a turn on. Mm-hmm. It's a turn on. It is. It is. Yeah. <sighs> so, let's talk about being turned on more here. Okay, because yeah. <laughs> this show today is so good. <laughs> this show, Oriented for Communion, to know we talked so much about our orientation. We talked about what 
you know, when we're oriented for judgment, what that creates in our life. We've talked about it so much. And as we are in this space, this conversation, to have the opportunity to have an entire conversation about being oriented to communion, Oh, it makes it just feels soft. It does, and that that's what that's what I was when I say you know kind of landing in the sweet spot yesterday. That's what I was noticing, and it carried on to some of my other conversations. The the softness when when all of those boundaries and um, shields and barriers and all of that stuff when you really get that's not required. And and you just they become obsolete because you're just like oh I can't think of any reason to actually create separation in my life anymore it doesn't make sense the softness that envelops you is is like the the most delicious warm blanket uh, of yumminess you could imagine wrapping yourself up in and and to me that's life with a capital L life. Life is enveloping me because I'm allowing it because I'm actually opening myself up and leaning into the support and, and, you know, guidance of life. If you want to, if you want to call it that, um, where we do allow that dance. And, um, one of the things that I was having a conversation recently with a friend of mine is, um, you know, communion is kind of one of those things that you, you can't, get there through thought it really is an experiential thing and so you can't think your way there and and I said to her that I don't you know I don't remember how the conversation exactly was going but I said something about communion being that what's natural to us and she was like what do you mean by that and and I said well one of the earliest things that I recall about my childhood and I've shared this before on the show is I'd look around at the way people were, you know, doing in relationship, doing relationship, behaving in relationship, functioning in relationship, and I was like, uh, if that's what relationship is, like, I don't want any part of it. Like, it felt so disharmonious to me. It felt like uh, you know, like nails on a chalkboard, you know what I mean, where you're just like, mm-hmm. ow, 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 oh, stop, stop that, you know, like, yeah. and, and, and that's kind of my, like, like visceral response to the way people were functioning in relationship. And, and I could perceive the energy. I didn't realize it then when I was a kid, but I could perceive the energy of that. And it was very um, discordant. And um, mm. and so when I was talking with my friend the other day, I, I said, you know, I, I have this sense that it felt the way it felt, like so much friction and so much um, tension because it's, it's what's not natural. When when okay. I experience something that's natural, my whole body and being just go into that space of delicious peace and ease and expansion. It's like everything just goes outward. Everything just expands and expands and expands and expands, and my whole body is just at ease and, you know, deep breathing and softness. There's a, just a like every muscle in my body loses its tension, and there's a softness that it's almost like you melt into a puddle. And and when there's uh, energy that's discordant and disharmonious, and you know there's friction, and you can perceive that, it's like the opposite. It's like my shoulders go up into my ears, and my whole body starts to get tense, and I'm just like, oh, you know, my breathing is shallow, and I'm, and and uh, so so how much of how we function on a daily basis 
really comes from a more discordant, disharmonious space, then what would really be more natural and is communion, I invite people to, you know, mm-hmm. take, be in the inquiry of this for yourself, is communion something that's actually natural to us and all the separation that we do, is that not so natural and yet we perpetuate it? Right. You know, as you were describing all that, I was thinking about how many, you know, examples are given and they've been turned into social media examples and videos and photos and memes of children coming together and being curious and playing and creating with each other and having no frame of reference that they are different. Mm. Yeah. None. Because communion coming together, being in the simultaneous gifting and receiving and appreciation is the natural state. And yet, there are people who resist that. Hmm. Why? Because they were born into it. They were trained in it. They were entrained in it. And it was, it was something they were taught. And so, if you notice, that you have resistance to communion, if you feel that communion is not natural, okay, and you go to judging communion, that's an invitation. When were you taught that? Who taught you mm. that communion isn't natural? When did you learn that? Yeah, yeah. And I know for me, and I and I shared this early on in the shows that um, – my parents both were living inside a fortress of protection. And I was like, oh, and, and you know, I didn't think about any of this. Um, I, I didn't watch my parents and go, oh, that's how you live. I just mimicked them. I just duplicated what they mm-hmm. were doing because as a child, you're looking for like, all right, how do we do this thing? <laughs> Here I am right. on the planet. How do we do this? <laughs> yeah. And and the more that um, – you you begin to recognize i think you know as we're when we're when we're littlest you know sm- smallest children youngest children everything is just an adventure and play and and then as the world begins to sort of encroach and what i mean by that is as more people in our lives start having a point of view about how we should behave uh what mm-hmm. we should choose what we should do when we should do it, <laughs> like as other people start encroaching on our blissful little, you know, p- reality of play, then you start, you know, you start looking around and you're like, oh, okay, that's how you're supposed to do it. Or this is, you know, I can't. I, I, and, and that it, it's, it's just, I think really, I just started mimicking my parents. I was just like, oh, right. this is how they are. They're they're bigger than me. They're older than me. They know more, uh, I guess. Uh, so I'll just do what they do. Didn't question yeah. it. Yeah. Just did it. Yep. Yeah. And, and that's so interesting when you think about that as an adult or whatever age you are. You know, I would love that there were some teenagers and young adults listening and all of that. I would love that. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't want to dismiss that you're not listening. So hi. <laughs> Whatever age you're at, okay, whatever age you're at and you have found this and you are hearing this, ask yourself, is communion, is communion easeful for you, full of ease? Is it natural for you? Hmm. Or 
Do you have some things in the way that make it feel unsafe? Have you been shown that to surrender, to be in allowance with communion is actually unsafe or scary or not trustworthy? What's your relationship with communion? Because we can say be oriented to communion to you, but the truth is if we say that to you and you have anywhere in your experience decided through your own experience or what you've been taught that communion is dangerous, then we are actually asking you to choose danger. And I don't want to be so presumptuous as to say this should be easy for you. It might be something for you to consider. It might be something for you to start inviting in. But what is your relationship with communion feels like the most respectful thing, the most honoring thing for you to consider first instead of just assuming that it's going to be what mine is. Because communion to me is so safe. It is the most natural state for me to be in. But I don't want to project that onto you. So first I want to ask that question. And whatever arises, just love that. It's not judgment, yeah. not right or wrong. It's, it's okay to love whatever it is your experiences have brought you to. That's all right. <laughs> it's true. And as you were talking, what became, um, maybe it's a yeah, but, maybe it's just, I don't know. There's a lot of people out there who are like, but wait, if I open myself this much, because as I've taught, to me it's kind of like an aperture, open, close, open, close, open, close. If I open myself this much, uh, this communion that we're, we're speaking of, I, I hear people say, I, I will make myself uh, open to, I'll, I'll be vulnerable to vic- victimization. I've heard of people say that to me before. It's like, like that's the scary part, but if I open I will I will leave myself open to um you know vulnerable to victimization and I would I want to use my mom as an example here because you know I mean I've known her my whole life obviously and mm-hmm. I've seen her change dynamically over the years you know she experienced a lot of abuse including sexual as a as a young woman girl and so uh with good reason you might say she had uh she was living in a fortress of protection and she didn't have uh an inner authority she didn't trust herself she had and I mean she would say even as she got married to my father and she was like oh well you know I always looked to him because he was the man and he was older and he had been married before and she just assumed that he knew better that he knew best so she deferred to him a lot which uh, now she's able to say got her was 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 never a con- was was very rarely ever actually um, a contribution because she realized she was overriding her own uh, what she knew like you could call that intuition or her or her gut knowing or whatever she found herself overriding it overriding it overriding it overriding it because she kept deferring to him like mm-hmm. a, a lot of a lot of women that's that's kind of what they were taught you know the man knows best. Father knows best, man knows best, whatever. And so she would defer a lot of what was going on in her life to him, and she will she will speak openly about it now that that made her pretty miserable, and it took her decades um, of her life to kind of find her way through that. And um, she, <laughs> she had me as a daughter, so... <laughs> 
<laughs> to poke at that a little bit. Gotta say, <laughs> that's what I do. So, so over the years, as she was willing to, um, you know, risk what she'd always known and risk what she had been told and risk, you know, our cultural biases and, uh, you know, kind of the, the status quo and the conventional thinking and say, well, you know, maybe I will trust myself more. And as she tentatively did that year by year by year by year, I watched her change and I watched her uh, develop more intimacy with herself and more trust in herself and more willingness to say no to my father and more willingness to, you know, uh, make her choices knowing that that might, maybe, that might make him angry. And if he wants to get angry, so be it. You know, she would never do that in, in the early years of their marriage. She always uh, cowed, like, cowered in the face of his anger. And, and then over the years, she's just like, eh, you know, he's going to get angry. Oh, well, so what, you know. <laughs> And so this whole thing about what we've been talking about, developing and cultivating intimacy with yourself, I would say that this allows communion to feel less scary, less threatening, Mm -hmm. less, you know, I mean, you're going to feel less vulnerable to victimization because you're like, wow, I, I have an inner authority here. I have an energetic presence. It's like it's like um, when I was little and I would try and feel for my mother, there was nothing there. There was really nothing there. She mm. was so shut down and so hidden from herself with shame and all of this stuff. I'd like reach out and I'd be like, there's nothing there. <laughs> Where is she? Um, and now, you know, all these years later, when I reach out, I feel something. I'm like, oh, there she is. She has cultivated a presence. And that presence, is the very thing that allows you to put down the barriers and put down the shields and put down and no no longer need the boundaries because there's a presence there that it's almost like the thing that prevents you from being vulnerable to victimization if that, you know, like if there's a predator out there, we'll just say that predator energetically is looking for somebody who has very little or no presence. Because that person is generally easily manipulatable, right? If you have no inner authority and you have no presence, then then pretty much people are going to be able to manipulate you in any way they want to, take advantage of you. But as you cultivate this presence and you're actually occupying your own space of being and you're like, I'm here, I'm here, then as there's mm-hmm. if there are predators out there like, nope, nope, not that one, too much presence there. I'm not going to mess with that one. Right. So you're actually cultivating that which – prevents you from being, you know, like, it's just those things aren't going to happen because you're not an energetic match to somebody. You're no longer playing the victim to somebody's predator. It just doesn't, it's, it's like magic. So this very thing that we think we're protecting ourselves from, you know, it, it, it doesn't really work the way, uh, it's, it's like a paradox. It doesn't work the way we've been taught to think it works. Oh, put up all these barriers of protection and then I'll be safe. Actually, what if cultivating this intimacy with yourself and opening yourself up to receive and live in communion is the very thing that allows you never to be, you know, I want to say messed with. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, and here's what I think is so interesting. So communion, if we go back to the very beginning, what it was defined as, it's a coming together. It's a, it's a, 
unity. Okay, it's oneness. But what I really love is this mutual participation. There's a mutual participation. And if you are void, if you are not there for that participation, it is no longer communion. Yeah. If you are not there to participate in the simultaneous gifting and receiving that is available, it's not communion. And so many people will say, oh, yeah, I have communion with my partner, except for one of the partners is the dictator, and the other one Mm. goes along. Is that true communion? If there's any part of you that is settling, settling for what you get, what's given you, settling for what narrow valve of receiving you are willing to open up to, that limits communion. And so for anybody who is like, well, I'm not fully me when I'm around my family and there's so much angst there, and you would like to be that about everybody else in the family, understand if any part of you is not being completely who you be, you're part of the problem that you're judging as everybody else because it is a, an equal mutual participation coming together in that participation of whatever it is. And any part of you that's holding back, that's in judgment, whatever it is, that is what takes it out of communion. And so as you are considering if communion is scary and that you need it to be guaranteed and safe before you'll engage, understand it's already outside of the realm of communion. And so part of this orientation for communion requires that you be all of you fully. So true. So true. The question that I... The yeah, but perhaps yeah. <laughs> is, is, you know, if you've had experience in the past where being all of you uh, caused, uh, well, not caused necessarily, but people around you were uh, judgmental or critical of that, then then there's this hesitation. Well, when I be all of me, then this happens, right? We create this association. You know, someone's going to tell me, this or judge me or whatever and the the thing that I would say is who are you surrounding yourself with because it's like I mean I, this this whole mirror concept right it's like you treat you teach people how to engage with you so if you've got this uh you've got your own kind of um, shame or you're hiding or you're not sure, you're like, I don't know. If there's this, if there's any of this like wavering in your own real, your own world, your own internal world, then as that gets expressed, it, it doesn't get expressed in a confident way. And as I was just saying, energetically, it's sort of, it's like it's like well I, I express yourself sort of tentatively then there are people I mean let's just be real there are people who are going to give that the smackdown 
Mm-hmm. They're gonna. They're just. They're just gonna see it as an opportunity for them to express some of their um, uh, unacknowledged. Uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Damn it! <laughs> um, resentment. There we go. Resentment. Like there's a lot mm-hmm. of people walking around on the planet full of resentment, and they're just waiting for an opportunity to blame it on, you know, to just like deliver it at somebody. It's like a pressure cooker, mm-hmm. right? So. So when you kind of go around in the world in this tentative fashion, then there are people who are who are just waiting to lash out at somebody who's not confident. Is that has any? I mean, I see this all the time, and as I I, I went through this like process with myself, and I just had a conversation within the last couple of days with somebody else who has been on this journey of um, of you know, the liberating himself to live unapologetically all that he is, right? Mm-hmm. And he went to an event and a total stranger sort of, he had this interaction with a total stranger who was basically judging him. And he, he kind of was taken aback in, at the, in the moment, and, and then, you know, the interact it, wasn't, it was brief. It was a fairly brief interaction. Um, and then, you know, he walked away, and he was like, wait a minute. Let me think, like, he, he went into reflection about it because it was almost like it sent him into sort of this guilty kind of weird space. And he's like, wait, 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 whoa, 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 hang on. Yeah. And he started looking at mm-hmm. it, and, and that's when he actually gave me a call. He's like, hey, I want to I wanna run this by you. This is what I, what I noticed about this interaction. And, and he ran it by me, and I said, I said, what do you know? What do you trust about this? And he told me, and I said, yeah, there you go. I said, this, this actually was a beautiful example because he, he is not quite, I mean, I'm going to say not quite fully confident in expressing himself unapologetically. There's still a little bit of that residual kind of cultural expectation hovering in his world. Mm-hmm. And so this is just one of those, as he's walking, as he's being in the world energetically, this person probably just, you know, sensed that and and decided she's going to lash out and and at her judgment at him and did so and i said what do you think would have been different if you were confidently you know like uh, claiming that space of all that you are unapologetically and i said what do you, what do you think might have been different he said she probably mm-hmm. wouldn't have said a word to me and i said likely not likely i mean we you know we don't know but likely not there's something that is so powerful and so potent in claiming you in this uh, sovereign way, like claiming your life, taking command of it, owning your superpower of choice, living in this unapologetic way that changes entirely the way life and everyone in it engages with you. It's like magic. Yeah. And I don't know that I, I'm sitting here talking about this, and I'm like, I don't even know if I would have believed this if somebody had told me back when I was still sort of living in that tentative way. Um, because you, you, we, we buy into this idea that life is happening from outside in, and I'm like, not really, not really. Your energy pervades the space around you, right, all the time. And people interact with that even if they don't know that's – I mean, it's it's fascinating to watch. Like when I go in public places and I watch, I can't help it. It's just what I see. It's it's fascinating. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
It really is. And, and to me, the distinction is what do I notice about me when I'm in any environment? If I will get still and go, okay, Jen, what game are you playing? What are you doing? What am I seeking? What, I, what am I actually seeking in any moment? It will instantly reveal what my orientation is because if I'm seeking what is similar if I'm seeking what is exciting, if I'm seeking judgment and separation, if I'm seeking how am I different, if I am seeking anything, it, is, it reveals exactly what, I, what space I'm in. And so as we, we look at this, okay, oriented for com- communion, what would that be like? Yeah. Are you oriented to seek, to recognize, to associate with, to connect with, Others who also are seeking communion? Or are you seeking those who are seeking communion so you know who's superior and everybody else is separate from? Notice what that does because it reveals so much about us. Because if we go into a situation, we go, okay. So I know that I'm, you know, maybe I'm going into white trash neighborhood. I know I'm better than all these people. I am going to look for the differences. I'm going to be looking down my nose. If you go in, even with that on an unconscious level, it's it's evident, and people feel that. Yep. And so when you're seeking communion and you walk in and you just seek, where is the connection? What is that? I know for myself personally, I I went to a community – ended up living in Memphis for a few months, a few years ago. And I remember walking into a congregation. Somebody had told me, you've got to go to the Congo. You've got to go to the Congo. You've got to go to the church. It's, so, it's like your Everyday Joy radio show that was on the air at the time. It'll be, it's just be so cool if you went in there. So I walk in, and at that moment I was seeking anything that, I don't know, that just felt familiar on a soul level. And I immediately walk into the space, and number one, there's a labyrinth in the wooden floor, a giant 11-circuit labyrinth within the design mm-hmm. of the floor. Number one, right there, I'm turned on. And so next, <laughs> I'm looking into the eyes of strangers. I literally, the person that told me to go had, was not in attendance. I end up walking into a room of strangers, and I look, and instantly – I start recognizing some, some smiles, some eyes, and I start making connections. And, you know, this took place in 2011. And at that point in time, there was one particular, I just call him, he's my brother, and I looked in his eyes and he looked in mine, and he, we didn't even say a word. We didn't even introduce ourselves. We just smiled and tears filled our eyes. And later we ended up embracing and and introducing ourselves. And, you know, that was in 2011 I was there. And on this gypsy adventure I just came off of, we sought each other out. And I was able to, you know, share my my wife, who he had not met, my friends, who he had not met. I knew his husband, but I was able to meet their daughter they had adopted. It had nothing to do with anything that said we should connect. It should look this way. But there was an instant communion when I looked into his eyes. There was not one rational thought. There was no reason or justification. But there was communion. 
And we have forever been that way. And I know, Tamara, you've got people in your life that came in, and that's how I would describe us when we met. It was that communion of, hi, I know you, and it has nothing to do with logical mind. It just was two beings coming together knowing that what we could create together was different than what we created separately, and we came together. Same Mm -hmm. thing with this brother of mine. Mhm. Yeah, and if you, you know, I talked about, I think it was last Friday, a week ago, Friday, so show number 40, um, Abandon You. <laughs> I, I think I talked, okay. I think, I'm trying to remember, about how we have this um, concept of safety and sameness. And yeah. so we're often looking for same rather than connection. So I love what you say, you know, if if you've got this uh point of view, you're walking into what you're you're uh, describing as, you know, what trash neighborhood and you're like, "Oh, I'm so much better than them." And and you can't you don't even have to be thinking these things, but if that's if that's your orientation is that there's there's always someone who's inferior and there's always one someone who's superior, and that is that can be an orientation that people function from without even knowing it. Then, like you said, that energy will be palpable to people and they will already put themselves on the defense and you Mm -hmm. can be on either side of that right you can you can you can think back and probably have walked into um examples of where you have been the one who's been feeling inferior or you've been Mm -hmm. the one who's being feeling superior i mean i went i was in miami a few years back with a guy that I was dating at the time and we were you know you know you're in a new place you're looking for some place to eat lunch and we walked into this restaurant um that was recommended to us and we sat down and we opened up the menu and it was incredibly expensive like they think there was a $10,000 bottle of champagne on the menu and I just kind of laughed and oh, like wow, wow I, that, awesome. that must be a damn good bottle of champagne you know but it was a very expensive <laughs> restaurant and and the moment that we started looking at the prices and um it was like all of a sudden the guy that I was dating got very uncomfortable and increasingly so. And so much so that we actually had to leave the restaurant because he felt like he was in the wrong place. He felt like, oh. you know, like, oh, this is this is not I'm this is, you know, like he felt so uncomfortable because this was someplace someplace he didn't belong. And and I was like, okay, uh all right. So we left and found another place to eat, but think about all the times when there if this is an orientation to inferiority inferior superior comparison because um, we can be aware of contrast, which doesn't include judgment, but comparison certainly does. Mm-hmm. And so if, right. you're, if you're oriented around communion, as you're moving in the world, you're just looking for the space where you can be one another together. It's absent right. of all this comparison. It's absent of all this, like, who's inferior, who's superior. And, and you, so you don't get all this air energetic defense and offense and all this stuff that goes on. It's just like, wow, as I'm out in the world interacting with people, like, I, I, it's almost like I can perceive when someone is, uh, just wants to be in that space of being together. Mm-hmm. That's it, really, mm-hmm. the simplicity of it. They just want to come together and enjoy the space of being with one another. Yeah. Yeah. It's such an invitation. It truly is just an invitation to, 
You know, if you ever walk down a street, and I know this is a gypsy in me talking, but if you ever walk down a street that you do not know the people in the houses, you do not know them, and you see people sitting on their porch, and there are some that don't have to say a word, and you don't, you just know. You just, you know, there is a wall. There is a separation. There's, nope, you stay out there. And then there's others, and these are the ones that I seek when I'm seeking that communion out being a gypsy, and I'm walking through neighborhoods, and I'm just walking, and people will be out on their porch rocking in the chairs, and I'll wave, and they'll be, and you can see, it's almost like they physically lean in, but they don't. Yeah. Just energetically, they look over the rail like, hey, who are you? Yep. And nine times out of ten, those are the people I end up sitting on the porch with, having some tea, you know, talking, getting stories and sharing our experiences. And it's just about orientation. You know, there are people that see, you know, maybe a glass window as a barricade. And then there are others who see it as a way to say hello so that you can invite people in. And it's all about orientation. That's all it is. Nobody's better, nobody's less than. It's just how are we oriented? Yeah. And it, it's so funny because it, I, I love what you're talking about. It, you just go out in public and, and there'll be people who just smile, right? Like you, you don't even have to yeah. say a word. They just smile at you or you smile at them or or there's just even a look in their eye or there's an openness that you just perceive. It's palpable. It's obvious. It's undeniable. There's an openness. And then there's other people that the the way that they're shut down and cut off, they won't look you in the eye. I mean, that was me. I remember being in my 20s and having this, uh, walking out of the grocery store, and I think I shared this on the show before, walking out of the grocery store and having this moment of like, wow, I just interacted with that, you know, the, the woman who was checking me out as I purchased my groceries, and I didn't even look her in the eye. And I was like, uh, how often do I do that? Like, how often am I not looking people in the eye? And it was really an awareness of how I, I had been walking through life trying to hide. Uh-huh. And was that Absolutely. possibly my mother? Because she definitely had, you know, having coming from a background of being um, sexually abused, she definitely wanted to hide. And she would tell us when right. we were young girls, she's like, you know, she would she would try and pass along, oh, men only want one thing, and you have to be careful, they'll use you, and you have to be, you know, she was always trying to warn us, warn us, warn us, warn us against the predators. So how much of, of the energy that I uh, was being in the world was mimicking her need to hide because to her being open was that, you know, vulnerable to victimization, and, mm-hmm. and so that was a really eye-opening moment for me that I was like, wow, I'm not, I'm not, I'm being totally closed off. When I go out in public, I am being completely like isolated and I do not want to interact with other people. I don't, I don't, and that was, that was a big, that was an eye-opening moment for me. And now it's funny because as I have um, leaned into vulnerability, leaned into cultivating my own inner authority and intimacy and all of that stuff. It's funny because people will, strangers talk to me all the time, all the time, standing mm-hmm. in the checkout line at the grocery store, anywhere I go, strangers are talking to me all the time. And to me, that is a, a, a very clear, it's revealing how I've changed. I'm open. And so people that are also open it's like there's just a you're just a knowing. There's just a knowing, and it's like, hey, mm-hmm. like you said, you just <laughs> be talking about the most mundane thing in the grocery store, but really, it's like this. Hey, I see you. Yeah. And I see you seeing right. me. 
and we're here in this space together. And it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's fucking beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> it is. As simple as it is, it's, it is so beautiful. You know, there's a comment in the chat room about uh, a group of women, and some of the comments are about, I, one says, I was thinking this morning that we are building a relationship using these ideas, and it's so interesting how different they are from other relationships. And another participant said, my awareness is that we are all choosing vulnerability and authenticity, which builds the communion with mm. one another. And that goes to that, pace, that place of you got to be with you. It's that authenticity yeah. It's that vulnerability and knowing who you are that actually creates the opportunity or the possibility to have that, which is exactly what you're saying with, I wasn't looking at anybody. I was the one closed off. It wasn't the world out to get you. It was about you being closed off. You needed that intimacy with you and that authority of yourself. It wasn't everybody else and that vulnerability to realize you're as safe as you perceive yourself to be in the world and that you can commune with, you know, a cashier at the grocery store, stranger walking by saying hello, whatever it is. Communion does begin with you, Tamara. That's correct. <laughs> that's right. I love it in the chat room. We have a lot of participation going on in there today. So thank you all for being there. And so what would it take? What would need to, you know, what's a choice you could make? that's required for you to begin experiencing communion in the world, to change that orientation, reprogram the GPS, you know, do the update of your system. What is required? What piece of intimacy with you? What piece of vulnerability is seeking your engagement so that you can experience this orientation of communion? Mm, What a beautiful question. And it, you know, it really is to start with desire. So if you're if you're listening to this and you you find yourself leaning back, kind of leaning away, and you're like, mm, I don't know about this, <laughs> <laughs> then then it's not it's it's not time, it's not for you, right now. Maybe not. It may be some point in the future. Maybe not ever. But it's not for you. But there are definitely people that this is going to speak to, and there are definitely people that they're going to be like oh, yeah, there's something that's tickling me. There's something that's seducing me into having more of that. And so it really starts with a desire. I mean, that moment Mm -hmm. when I walked outside of the grocery store and I had that awareness of like, oh, my God, I'm like not even looking people in the eye. I'm like walking around all like isolated and hidden. And that that moment was a moment where I said, yeah, I think I, I desire something different. And so it really starts with a desire. It starts with a desire to have a different experience than the one you're having. And then the experimentation starts. Hmm. What if I do start looking people in the... Like, what if I start deliberately going into the grocery store every time and looking my checker in the eye? What if I'm walking around the grocery store and I'm looking at the other people in the grocery store in the eye instead of looking down or looking away? What if I start just looking people in the eye? What if I let them see me? You have to be willing to mm. see yourself oftentimes before you're willing to let others see you. And that, again, is um, what, are you, what are you hiding from? Uh, do you have all of these uh, parts of yourself that you, you're hiding because you have shame and wrongness about them? 
That's a that's mm. a powerful that's a powerful incentive to hide you. Hide the parts of you that right. you think are not acceptable that somebody's judged you about and usually it's not you. That judgment didn't start with you. It was when you started looking at yourself through the lens of somebody else's eyes. Yes. Yep. Oh, it's good times. It's good times. We have a little, you know, there's some yeah buts. <laughs> yeah, but it's hard to take the first step. Yeah, but it's scary. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. And each of those yeah, buts is about seeking that guarantee. It's about believing that there's some safe environment that you'll practice in that for sure won't make you feel uncomfortable. And that isn't what it's about. It's about choosing it. You get to choose it. And you know what? If you go into freak out, you you can make a change in the next second. You can make a change and go, I freaked out for 10 seconds. Okay, now what am I going to choose? I looked him in the eye. I blushed. I felt like a fool. I stammered over my words. Now what am I going to choose? Am I going to run or am I going to laugh and just say, wow, that was really funny. Apparently, you know, that brought up some emotion for me or whatever it is. Like, what are you going to choose? Because choice is your superpower. The other thing that is uh, something I really had to look at in my life is who was I, who was I surrounding myself with? Um, mm-hmm. Because if if I'm going to be like, all right, I'm going to start being me no matter what, then and and the people that I have been surrounding myself with are kind of judgmental and love to criticize. You know, they they because you've been around people who just think it's fun to put other people down and laugh at their expense and right. you know criticize and judge them. If that's the kind of crowd you're hanging out with. You might want to not try these experiments in their presence. You might seek out some new people who are really functioning from more of that space of allowance and, and appreciation from differences. And uh, and so I really did that. I really started looking at, like, who are the friends that I've been with? And I started seeking out new people. It was kind of, I remember thinking to myself, I think I'm going to up-level the friendships I have in my life. And, and really, a lot of people just have friendships based on, uh, proximity, oh yeah, I work with them, or they're my neighbor, or whatever. And when I really started getting deliberate about the people I wanted to share my life with, it wasn't just looking to the to the closest, easiest person to, to spend time with. I was like, I'm going to seek out people who are looking to create this communion in the way that I am. I'm going to seek out people who are looking to uh, live vulnerably and authentically and um, with an inner authority, the way I choose to, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look, gonna seek out people who are choosing liberation, like I am. And uh, and it was amazing how the moment that I made that choice, it was really easy to find. It was like they were, they were already there. I just hadn't really noticed before. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, and that, I think that's part of what orientation does. Right. Mm-hmm. If we're oriented to does. safety, if we're oriented to familiarity, if we're oriented to change, if we're oriented to, you know, whatever adventure, if we're, whatever our orientation is, is evident, very, very evident in who we surround ourselves with. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I sense a whole it really show does. About that. I, I think there is for sure. <laughs> and and it, and it's. Uh, I keep. I know I'm going to keep going back to this because I think it bears repeating over and over and over. Is your your world, your reality, reflects 
your internal landscape. It really does. So after you, as you keep, keep uh, readjusting, reorienting, you know, every shift you make creates a different experience in your life. It's wild how it works. Every single mm-hmm. time I make a choice to orient myself differently and make different choices, then my world shows up totally different. Every single time. I'm like, wow, that's magical. Truly magical. <laughs> And if we think that we can just control the outer, if I could just change this and get that person to change and make them do something different, if I could just control my outer reality, you're going about it in a really hard way. It's really, it's going to feel really hard and exhausting if you think you have to change everything in your external reality and get everybody to change. That may or may mm-hmm. not work. But if you shift your inner orientation and you shift the the way that you engage with life, life changes. It changes in response Absolutely. to the way you're being in the world. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. It is there's so much going on in the chat room. I am loving this. There's so much going on there, uh, different conversations that are happening. We have some comments I just want to acknowledge about my work mm-hmm. pants were raggy at the end, and I noticed I was avoiding looking at my boss's eye, looking the boss in the eye. He wouldn't notice my raggy pants. Isn't that a great awareness? Like, I'm not going to look him in the eye because I have shame about my, the edge of my pants, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Who have I been surrounding myself with? I know when I looked at that, so much awareness came through and changed my life. And then it's like when you quit smoking, drinking, or drugs, etc. You change the friends because no one's comfortable with you in the old group of friends, or you're not comfortable with them. I would add, because it's what is what's going on. You change how you're being in life, and it automatically starts to change. It automatically mm-hmm. does. I remember my dad talking about when he quit smoking. It wasn't that he was quitting smoking. He was never. He never put himself in a place of I'm going. To, I am. A, I'm currently quitting smoking. He just became a non-smoker. That meant he didn't carry a lighter. That meant he didn't buy cigarettes. That meant he didn't take a smoking break. That meant he did different things and went to different places. I I noticed also. You know, Sherry went on this uh, cleanse, and to having to do with her Hashimoto's disease that she was looking at changing. And when we walked into a restaurant and the person automatically started to pour her a beverage that had gluten in it, she had to say, we need to stop this pattern. It keeps something old in place. She had to bring that awareness to and there, and the assumptions that were automatically orienting her back to what was going on needed to be addressed and changed. And as soon as she did, then there was question, what would you like as a beverage for this meal, what would you like to have instead of that automatic thing? That those can be so simple, no, so very simple, and yet we almost think they're too simple, so they won't be, you know, important. They won't be that big of a deal, but they are. Mm-hmm. So notice what structures do you have in place that keep your orientation where they are, and do you want it there or do you want to create change? Because it's the structures that you have in that space, the rocks you have in their riverbed that keep the water flowing a certain way. 
Do you need to change some of that so it is oriented for communion? That's the invitation of this conversation. Mm-hmm. Something, I, I, I seem to always do this as we have like less than five minutes left in the show. <laughs> <laughs> but there's something that somebody said to me um, years ago in a, in a workshop that I was taking, and it was, uh, it's carried with me in, in relationship. Um, and I shared this a little bit ago between parents and, and children uh, as, I, as I work, as I coach with parents who are struggling with their kids. Um, one of the questions I've often asked them is, what's more important to you, obedience or connection? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it takes them aback because oftentimes they don't think that they're sacrificing the connection for obedience. And I'm like, well, you certainly are. Because the more you mm. demand obedience, the more you're actually teaching your child not to trust you. And the more you teach your child not to trust you, the more you're um, that like that. They're 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 going away from you. You don't even realize that's what's happening. So in in any relationship, you can look at. I mean, I'm using obedience and connection in that example there, but you can look at what have I made more important? Am, am I made being right more important than maintaining the connection? Have I made um, uh, that they do what I say I, you know, what, when I want them to, more important than connection? Like what have you placed as a higher priority than the connection? And, and if you found out, I, I know this is kind of a little, if you found out that that person or, or you only had, you know, six months left to live, what would suddenly become instantly not important because you realize how, the connection, how, how you value the connection. It's very insidious how these sneaky things start to, to come in that we start making more important, important than, than maintaining the connection. It happens a right. lot. It does. It's so interesting. You know, the, it's so interesting because we, and you're right, we do, we always open a can of worms at the end of the show, yeah. but <laughs> I, you know, my family of Orient, my family I was brought up in. It was so important. It was so vital. Our eternal salvation was every everything was the focus. So actually, day to day connection, kindness, actually that wasn't the big deal. It was that end result, and that orientation, like you said, with the parenting, that really plays into it. So. We've got so much to talk about. Oh, my goodness, we could do three shows on this topic at least, I'm sure. But this one's yeah. coming to an end. So yeah. come back because, boy, next week is all about receiving. So Monday, we're talking about re- what requirements you have that have to do with receiving that are blocking it. So yeah. I hope we hope you come back on Monday because – it is going to be good. And keep the conversation going over on our Facebook page with Seducing Aliveness. Thank you so much to everybody in the chat room. There's so much conversation going on there. We love when that happens. Thank you, Tamara. And we'll be back with you tomorrow on, or on Monday with more Seducing Aliveness. Bye, everybody. <laughs> See you then. Bye-bye. 